You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Alexa, Stitcher, and of course, Spotify. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Thursday, we're going to have a fun podcast here because we've got to talk about Anthony Davis and his agent. We've heard all the news, it's official with Clutch Sports, and you're seeing a different tune being sung from Anthony Davis. I'll dive into why that's maybe a good thing for the Pelicans, and why there's no real reason to worry whatsoever about him leaving in the foreseeable future. Then I want to take a look at Alfred Payton and his impact and potential impact on this team. His praises were highly sung on Media Day, but what can he do and what's he really going to bring to the table? And let's look at it from a positive aspect there. So we're going to look at those two topics and then I'll tease in the final thing how what I'm talking about with Alfred Payton is going to lead into a larger thing about why I'm not worried about this team and their three-point shooting. So let's jump into everything in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So let's talk about the big one here, and this is why the Pelicans are in the news right now, and that has to do with Anthony Davis signing with Rich Paul and Clutch Sports, the agency that represents LeBron James. We all knew this was coming. We've known it for about a week. It was official uh, towards the end of last week. He had to wait a certain period of time before uh, he was allowed to uh, officially sign with them after leaving his past agent, Thad Fouché, who's a New Orleans native or Louisiana native. I can't remember where he's from. But everyone immediately just jumped to saying he's going to to join the Lakers. Clutch Sports tends to put their guys in big markets, get them to sign big endorsement deals, team up for super teams, and then kind of just represent them from there. And it makes life easy. And we've talked about it a little bit here, and I don't think this move really matters. Maybe, uh, you know, it, I think you've seen now, it's not a maybe thing. Anthony Davis said it. And at Media Day, he said, you know, Clutch Sports was the right move to make for where he is in his career. This change just basically needed to happen at this time. He's much more vocal about how good he is and how good he thinks he is and letting the world know about it than he really ever has been in a past. We were all talking about this on social media the past couple of days, and you've seen a number of things written about it, and it's true. You know, after practice uh, yesterday, he said, you know, I think I'm the best player in the league. And went on to then say, I think I'm the most dominant player in the league. And you heard him at media day say that, most dominant player in the league and you have to be willing to bet that that's coming from clutch sports in their marketing side of things kind of positioning him as that type of player and he's just kind of echoing it and I would not be shocked if most dominant player becomes kind of a marketing I don't know campaign thing built around him so I think when you look at this this move was more about giving him a bit more of an edge not necessarily turning him into a villain but loud mouth guys who kind of brag about themselves different things like that tend to do and sell better than players that don't, than the quiet guys, things like that. I think, you know, it's why you look at LeBron James when he's asked at his media day, what does he have to do to earn the respect of Lakers fans? And everyone's just like, that's a dumb question because this is a guy who's gone to eight, nine straight finals, whatever it is, has been the best player in the league for the past 10 plus years, is at worst the second best player of all time. He needs to earn people's respect. 
I don't think that's the type of aspect that or, or look that players want to have kind of about them. And Anthony Davis taking this kind of edgier thing maybe just kind of positions him more in that LeBron James way. And we all kind of love players like that. It's it's really as simple as that. So this is likely going to do with him trying to get a shoe, trying to get in Space Jam, which now probably seems like a certainty than it does with him not. Uh, wanting to play on the New Orleans Pelicans. And the way you've got to look at it is this. Before he can even opt out of his current deal, he's got this year and next year, two years, you then sign the designated player extension, which will make him the highest paid player in the NBA. Only the Pelicans can offer him that kind of money. If he wants his money, it's got to be here in New Orleans. If he signs that deal, you cannot be traded for one year. That's three more years minimum if he wants to get that contract. If the Pelicans trade him right now, he doesn't get that huge other deal. This is what DeMarcus Cousins lost by being traded from the, um, the, the Sacramento Kings. So I think that's kind of the big thing here. He wants his money, so he's going to need to wait three years before he can ask out. So when you hear him... Radio, TV, what have you, that he wants out or people are predicting he wants out. Cool. Maybe he does, but he's still not stupid enough to necessarily give up that money. That might change. Who knows? But certainly, I think this is going to be a thing where he's here for three more years. Again, this is about other things. And I've said it on Twitter. I could negotiate the next deal for the Pelicans with him. I can't negotiate some of the other stuff. And no one's going to do it better than Rich Paul and Clutch Sports. And I think that's what this is about. Just kind of giving him that brand that he hasn't really had before. So again, really not much to see here when it comes to this. You know, you'd like him to maybe come out and say the things that Kyrie Irving just said after kind of flirting with the Knicks and all that smoke there where he said, I want to see my jersey hung in the rafters. Uh, You know, I would be stupid to leave this place given how good we are. But, you know, he's not. He's saying he's here. He's just focusing on this. And there's literally just been no smoke about him wanting out. He kind of gave a shot at the Pelicans in the middle of last year um, or the year before. I can't remember when he basically said, like, I want to win. I've told you all he's hyper aware of leaving a legacy, wants to do all of that. So winning is the most important thing. As long as he's doing that, the market doesn't really matter. He is such a big name player now in the NBA that he's going to have the recognition wherever he is. It does not really matter if it's here in Los Angeles, in New York, or any other big city. He's going to get it no matter what because he's so damn good that everyone knows who he is. And he's out to make sure you know that by trying to prove that he's the most dominant player in the NBA. But you do that by your play on the court. So if you're a Pelicans fan, this is great because it means he's going to go out and he's going to hustle and he's going to play hard. He's just going to be a goddamn beast the entire season because he feels like he's got a point to prove. If this gives him any kind of motivation, only a good thing. So we'll see if he truly can become, or if he already is, the most dominant player in the NBA. So there's drama going all around the league, and you want to know the one place that's covering it on a daily basis for you who's been doing it all summer? That's the Locked On NBA podcast. Get the local experts every Monday bringing on the expert on that team, the Locked On podcast host of that team, to give you the insight from the ground level, the local angle on all of the biggest stories. Then the rest of the week, stick with Locked On NBA as we cover all the topics there. And of course, you guys know I host the Locked On NBA Wednesday edition alongside John Corrales, the guy from Boston. I got some revenge on him this past week, so make sure you listen to it. Make sure you listen throughout the season to Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcast from. So yesterday we talked about rebounding and what Julius Randle can bring to the team and how he's going to help increase the pace. 
But what about the other big addition to this team? And that, of course, is Alfred Payton. So this is where things get a little bit more interesting. And this leads into something that maybe we'll focus on on tomorrow's podcast. And we've got to see if I can do this transition well enough and my midseason form when it comes to stringing things together like this. But Alfred Payton was a guy who everyone spoke very highly of at Media Day. And this is a guy whose career hasn't quite gone like we would have expected necessarily, hasn't kind of been the star player that a lot were hoping he would be. So how does this addition, you know, for a basically vet minimum deal more or less, uh, help this Pelicans team improve? And what's he going to bring to the table? Well, it starts with the transition play of the Pelicans. And let's take a look at some of the numbers here. So playing fast involves playing in transition. We talked about that. The majority of the Pelicans off, not the majority, a high percentage of the Pelicans offense comes from playing in transition. Last year, they played fifth most in transition. They ran the ball, basically got out and run 17.4% of the time. The top team was the Los Angeles Lakers, 19.5%. That was one. Pelicans were five at 17.4. The problem is they weren't very good at scoring in transition. They did it a lot. Don't get me wrong, they did it a lot, but when you look at it in terms of, say, points per play, they were the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11th, there we go. So they finished 19th in terms of points per play when it came to scoring on in transition. For all that they do it, they're below average at it, and if you want to look at them in terms of percentile when it comes to the NBA.com stat site, which makes it a little bit easier to see, they ranked in the 34.5th percentile. So not good, not nearly above average. But one of the reasons they had such a good offense is that points per play is going to basically be higher than any other type of offense that you run. So even though they're not that great or not efficient at playing in transition, they're doing it so damn much that it kind of makes up for not doing it particularly well. So anything they can do to score better in transition, given the amount that they do, is only going to make this offense even scarier. Enter Alfred Payton. So the Pelicans played 17.4% in in transition last year. Alfred Payton was over 19%. So a lot of his offense comes in transition where he can score at the rim. He's not a great shooter all around, but it was something that Alvin Gentry said at Media Day that he, according to the numbers, uh, Alfred Payton, was second best at scoring at the basket behind Russell Westbrook. So pulled some of it. Now, this you've got to count for sample size, and there's different ways you can kind of spin this stuff. But in terms of guard scoring in the restricted area at the basket, Westbrook did it the most in terms of Um, field goals attempted per game. He shot basically 59% at the rim in, um, in the restricted area. So in, you know, at the rim last season on however many shots that it was, that's pretty good. Well, Alfred Payton scored in the restricted area five times per game, and he did it with a scoring percentage of 63.7. 63 63.7% is what he does, is, is how often he scores when he's around the rim, his shooting percentage there. In the paint, not restricted area, it's just 37.6%. Mid-range, 37.5%. And then just threes are all below 36%. So nothing good there. But at the rim, this dude's a bit elite. Combine that with his ability to to get out in transition and play quickly a lot like that. Well, that's certainly going to help this team and they're going to be able to score just a little bit better than they were able to do so last year. 
So getting that guy who can be that elite scorer in transition along with the rest of the team certainly is going to make them better. It's also going to help you play faster having that ability to get to the rim and score there. All of a sudden, he can just cut in and boom, basket, and all of a sudden, you're done. So even when they are in the half court, having that guy who has that ability to get to the rim and score and not miss or get blocked or anything like that helps you in the half court. And you can do that. If he sees a lane, he's going to take the ball and drive and try and score. You saw Drew Holiday do it a lot last season as well. That's kind of just one of the little ways that they might be able to play faster in addition to the rebounding and everything that we talked about with them uh, for this upcoming year that Randall brings to the table. So before we get into why I'm not worried about another part of the offense, because of some of the things we just said, make sure you guys are listening to Locked on Saints. We're deep into Saints season right now. And of course, we want to know what's going on with this team. They just had Patrick Robinson, I think, out for the season. That's not a good thing. Who are they going to bring in? How are they going to kind of fix this defense? And everything is being covered over at Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your other favorite team, the New Orleans Saints. So make sure you listen and subscribe to Locked on Saints. So you're going to see a lot made about the Pelicans shooting and their three-point shooting in particular. And that's because, you know, they're not elite at it. Yes, they led the month of December in terms of three-point shooting percentage. And at one point, you had Darius Miller and each one more, both over 40%, just shooting an absolute insane percentage. But they finished 13th best in the league, so they fell quite a far ways there, hitting just 36.2% of their three-point attempts. That's not bad. 13th is above average. You're in the top half. That's a good thing. But when you have a big like Anthony Davis and then at the time DeMarcus Cousins, you really do want to space the court form. And part of the Pelicans' three-point shooting numbers are misleading from last year because DeMarcus Cousins did take six three-pointers per game, shooting 35.4% from there. So it kind of inflates those numbers a little bit when you look at it in terms of attempts and percentage because he really helped out with both of those numbers and those numbers are down once you remove him from the equation and he's not here and Julius Randle though he was hitting threes the other day in practice is not taking a lot of three pointers per game I don't think he's being like Dwight Howard and closing his eyes and envisioning that happening but here's the thing they always people are going to talk about the three pointers in terms of Anthony Davis and when you have Anthony Davis and Julius Randle out on the court Who's going to space the court for the the bigs themselves? And here's the thing. They're missing the fact that Anthony Davis does have some range. It's not elite range. He only shot 34% from three last year, but he did it on two attempts per game. If Randall's out there, I don't think Davis is going to have a problem sagging back off and just kind of chilling maybe towards the three-point line to be a catch-and-shoot man, or even just using that long jumper, that long two, which he got away from a little bit last year. But that's still going to space the court too because if he gets the ball 15 feet out, he can just jump and shoot, and you've got to put a guy on him right there. You cannot sag off of him because he will eat you alive doing it. I think that mitigates some of the three-point shooting issues, if you want to call them, or lack of three-point shooting. So I think that's kind of a big thing to see from this team. The other thing goes back to the transition style we played. Randall's going to get out and run more with this team, and he's going to help push the pace. So is Alfred Payton. So even if they don't have the shooting, they're still going to play so often in transition where your points per play are significantly higher than other style, uh, other types of offense that it's okay. It makes up for that. And when you're playing in transition, the goal is to score at the rim. Let's be honest. You just want to run coast to coast here, you know, end to end and just put the ball in the hoop. You're not necessarily going to stop and shoot a three-pointer and do the Puget move. You're just looking to try and kind of get out, run, get a dunk, and then get back on defense. 
defense. And by doing that more, there's fewer opportunities to shoot threes when you're trying to get a defensive board and go. So I'm not worried about that because, frankly, the Pelicans need less three-point shooting than some of these other teams out there might because they're running more half-court style of things. Still need to have it. Absolutely. But there are some shooters on this team. You still have a guy like Etwan Moore who shot 42.5% from three last year. Darius Miller shot 41.1%. You know, Drew Holiday has been a career decent spot up three point shooter. Miritich is out there as well. Davis has range. So there's still guys that can shoot from deep and get kind of hot. Ian Clark was hot to start the year before really kind of fading with that three point shot. And we're not really going to talk about Solomon Hill when it comes to this sort of thing. So certainly, I think the three-point shooting is a little bit overblown, the issues it might have, because they just don't actually need to rely on it nearly as much as some other teams do. Look at their numbers. They finished with one of the top offenses in the league last season. They were certainly in the top 10 by kind of any measure and wherever you look, yet they took the 18th most three-point attempts per game. In the bottom 10 of that. They weren't in the top 10 or top 5 when it came to 3-point shooting last year. This offense was fine. And now you're going to do what they do best and kick it up a level. Well, you need less 3-point shooting. And we'll dive into some of these numbers maybe in greater detail. But that's why I'm really not worried about any of the 3-point shooting concerns that the Pelicans might have. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Again, we do not need to worry about Anthony Davis and this agent stuff. Who cares? Just tune out when you hear things because it really doesn't matter. And no one can force Anthony Davis to be traded other than himself. And even then, maybe not. Or general manager Dell Demps. That's the guy who can do it. And he's not about to. So we're good on that front with everything. We've also seen now how Alfred Payton can really help with his skill set. There's concerns in other areas, sure. But I'm also not worried that throwing him out on the court with some of these other people are really going to kind of condense this offense because of the lack of shooting. I think they just need three-point shooting less than other teams. It's kind of as simple as that. So thank you all for listening. Again, if you are new, I appreciate you tuning in this week. This is the type of coverage you can expect from the Locked On Pelicans podcast Monday through Friday, the only daily podcast coming to you about your favorite team like this, giving you the depth and insight that you want to know to make you a smarter basketball fan. And if you have been listening for a while, share it with your friends. The season's starting. Let's build a good base for all of this. It's going to be a very, very fun year. So thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all tomorrow, potentially, potentially, I'm not sure yet, with a special guest. So we'll see. So thank you all for listening. And again, be back with you all tomorrow.